Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Hey, everybody, and we are live. Just doing a little adjustment here on the, the cam. Good. Good. All right. It is your friend, Dr. David Proden here, the Safety Doc Podcast, and uh, it's my good friend, Nick Shulaner, everybody. Nick Shulaner is in the chat room. So, Nick, let's take a moment here and uh, take time for an update. What's up? You know, what's up is actually they've had tornado warnings for the just a few counties away from here. So <laughs> I'm recording from the North Star Recording Studio, which is in a basement. Does this well. Just going to do a little adjustment. Oh, what's new with you guys? Nick? All right. All right. Good deal. Let me just do one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for um, coming in here for a live stream for the Safety Doc podcast. Here's what I'm going to um, talk about. First of all, I have three screens in front of me, right? So if you follow my live streams, you kind of know how this operates. I've got uh, my notes over here on a screen on the left. You are in front of me. Very important stuff here. Over to the right. I've got a couple web pages up. So as you see me kind of looking around, that's what's going down. A um, few things. Everything is good now, although we have a path of severe weather coming through. All right. Hey, Tyler, thank you. Yes. If you haven't subscribed, this is the time. Please go in and subscribe to the Safety Doc podcast. Um, we've added a lot of subscribers in the last month. It's also over on Podbean, Apple Podcasts. Bull Rush, thanks. Nice jacket. Oscar De Laurenta. Off of eBay, I've had this thing for maybe 15 years. Dry cleaner always treats it very gently, always comes back. Uh, but yeah, I never pay more than 30 bucks for a sport coat. Um, so yeah, I hope everybody is doing well out there tonight. What I want to do is, is hit on a few things I think that are, are very front and center right now with, uh, hey, Atham, welcome, with um, personal privacy and then also a social contract. So I'm going to describe what that social contract is. I wrote about it in School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America. But there are some things that are changing very rapidly that impact all of us. And also, it's likely a number of these changes will never um, revert to the status of what life was just two, three weeks ago. So we have some permanent changes um, that we have to deal with. We have to figure out how to navigate these things. I just, I need, I need to make you aware of what I'm seeing um, because these, these are substantial alterations to the fabric of uh, social contract in America. So one of the biggest changes to social contract happened uh, September 11, 2001, you know, the, the attacks. Um, after that, we had the Patriot Act. The Patriot Act brought along a lot of different things. We're, I'm going to hit on five or six of those that impact our lives today. But now we're going to have another maybe four, five, six ways that our lives will be changed probably permanently because of coronavirus. 
So first of all, I am well. Hey, thanks for checking. Thanks for emailing. Hey, Doc. Hey, Doc. It's it's our good friend, Ted Zocco Hawkhalter from the wonderful state of Colorado. Um, Ted, welcome. Welcome. Um, if you have hot weather over there, let me know because it was very cold today in Wisconsin, cold and rainy. It's like 40 degrees. They got a fire going upstairs right now. Um, so a few things. One is my family, we are doing well. Uh, we're able to get outside. We've had some warmer days. It's going to be warm, warming up. Um, a few things I've done, and I, I don't share these uh, publicly, although I might, but I create five-minute videos every three, four days, and I share them out with our, our family um, that we can't stay in contact with face-to-face -face because it's too risk, too much of a risk there, you know, my parents or, you know, my uh, my wife's mom and other relatives. So we do a little five-minute video of just things that we're doing outside, whether it's the kids are riding bike, we're doing a badminton tournament, I'm playing basketball or something like that. Um, I think that's a great way to stay in touch with people. So just right off the bat, I recommend you do that. Now, of course, yeah, FaceTiming and all of that. Um, the people, like my, my parents, they're not FaceTimers or, you know, um, they, they don't use any of those te technologies. So it's nice to do this little video, then they can watch it a couple times too. Um, but yeah, I don't make it, I don't make those, you know, public and there isn't anything on those that, you know, by the way, I, I you know, it's that if I, if they were public, there's no problem with that, but, um, I am slowly learning Photoshop essential. So it's getting there. If you look at the thumbnail for today's show, that's been, that was like an eight hour project just to get that far. It's not my native language, but, um, anyway, face validity, let's do an update. So all of you in the field, member checks in the field, you've been doing face validity. You've been contacting me likely, you know, every day, every other day and saying, here's what's happening. So let me give you some updates right here. Portage, Wisconsin, 40 minutes north of Madison, what's happening. Um, Walmart, we did Walmart shopping today. Things like toilet paper, back in stock. Lysol wipes, not back in stock. Hand sanitizers, a lot of soap, things like that, not there. But what they're doing, I used to work at a grocery store right out of high school. Um, they're doing a lot of facing. So facing is when you move the products from the back to the front to make it look like the shelves are full. But if you look in back of the can of soup, there isn't another can or four cans in back of it. So I would say the store is significantly thinner than it was. And, you know, they shut it down now so they can get people in and and restock and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely um, that's changed. The police are out. The The county and city cruisers um, up and down the roads. Um, it's, that was, that's different. You know, a couple days ago, I didn't see that. I really see it right now. So definitely a, a strong police presence. Um, even in our Walmart parking lot, police doing the lap today as we were in there. So um there is a confusion of non-essential services. So I went in to, um, I went in where my small engines places and they have a sign on the door. Government has closed us yet. Like the paint place is open. So I think that's going to work itself out here in the next few days, but it seems like there's a lot of confusion of what's an essential service and uh, what isn't. So I've seen that hospital parking lot seems pretty busy, but I'm seeing people out keeping their distance. The parks are really quiet. Not much happening at the parks. Um, armory parking lot, about the same as what it was in my video a week ago. A couple cars, um, you know, maybe five, six Humvees, military vehicles, nothing kind of building up in that area. My member checks, okay, what people are reporting to me over from the Pennsylvania area is that they need to have their papers 
and I, they, they sent me some of these. Um, they need when they travel their essential papers. So if they're going back and forth to their job, their employer is issuing them papers that they have to carry with them now. And um, so that that's much different, right? That's authentically being shared out with me. Also, that they're going into um, into their phones. Ouch! That probably wasn't good. If this phone ever works again, they're going into their phones, and then they can um, get updates of what's happening, like in Allegheny uh, County in Pennsylvania, where Pittsburgh is, and they can see the hotspots. You can go on a Google Map, and you can you can zoom in to where the hotspots people identified with COVID two thousand nineteen and sheltering at home. So that's different too, because you could get pretty granular with that. It's some um, ArcGIS software, global um, uh, geo-information system, but you can get down to the block with that. So is that information we feel comfortable with? We don't feel comfortable with? Um, I don't know. I didn't think we would see these maps of, you know, consult the map before you travel. So you're, you're not going into a high COVID 2019 zone. And again, these are people who are just tested. How many people haven't been tested? But this this is, kind of has an eerie feel for me. So a few things. Um, I'm going to have Nick Shulaner, our good friend, who was on a previous show here with the Safety Doc. Nick Shulaner from Washington State is going to be on a show very soon. We're going to try to get that in the next couple days. And Nick um, is a college student, engineering student, uh, marketing. And he's going to talk about what it was like to um, you know, be part of a college that shut down and how rapid that was, the rapid shutdown of the university. Give it to us from a student perspective. And he also has some great advice because I asked him as we, we talked about the show, I said, what's something you do differently, Nick? And he right off the bat, he had one, one thing here. I would do this differently. I would recommend everybody do that differently. So we're going to wait for the show and, uh, and talk about that. But always, uh, Nick is, Nick is uh, brilliant. Uh, looking forward to having him on very soon. We're going to get that in the next couple of days few things right off the bat, like subscribe to the channel, hit subscribe. Um, if you haven't, give me a thumbs up, please, for the show. I'd appreciate that. I'm going to get to the, the chat here in a second when, and I'll, I'll, you know, keep interacting with the chat. But yeah, thumbs up. I'd appreciate it. Um, sharing this, sharing my content, safetyphd.com. It's a good way to get things, uh, get things out there. So um, I do have a book, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America. So it's more than school safety. It's it's more than school safety. The original title was, was going to be Lessons of Lore Manhattan, um, looking at the, the rescue after 9-11. But the first chapter is how thinking about a bagel can get you through the worst day of your life. So a lot of stuff that's kind of happening right now, like our self-similarity, and we kind of get out in this chaos area, how to function in chaos, how to return to self-similarity. Um, you're going to check out Amazon. There's now 25 reviews. Somebody left a, a nice uh positive review yesterday. So that's um, got 25 great reviews. The book's been out since August. So I appreciate that. I'm on Twitter at safety PhD. So let's talk about social contract and also a little bit of time frame here um, in, in an hour. So 10 o'clock central time, I'm going to wrap this up. So if, if you're looking at this, um, but before we get into social contract, let's go over in the chat. Hey, Nick, um, thanks for for tuning in. Uh, Tyler, yeah, I appreciate that you you found my work, and and uh, Aaron Clary does a great job of of promoting um, of promoting my work. So I appreciate that. And uh, Bull Rush, yes, nice jacket you got it. Atham, looking sharp. Always, you got you got to do it. It's a safety doc podcast. So um, and welcome, welcome, Ted. 
Um, don't I don't uh, Bolra said I don't use uh, wipes like the Lysol wipes. I use a mixture of bleach and moonshine. All right, little whatever works. Um, my cigar shop was was open. Papers we don't need no stinking papers. Yeah, in some places you do. Like um, so to it. I, I didn't think we we would kind of be at this place. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about what the social contract is. So social contract, in a nutshell, right? Social contract, it's an implicit agreement among the members of a society to cooperate for benefits, for example, sacrificing some individual freedoms for state protection. So in a nutshell, you know, we're going to allow the state to do these things, um, but in exchange for that, we feel we feel safer, like we've gained something from that. So it's this whole this whole balance act of how much citizens give control or have control taken by the state through legislative acts and whatever, and um, how much freedoms then that we have preserved. So let me tell you, let's go back on the Patriot Act. So what is the Patriot Act? So 2001, this was significant because this was a change in the social contract. Um, the U.S. Patriot Act officially uniting and strengthening America by providing appropriate tools required to intercept and obstruct terrorism act. Yikes! Let's just say Patriot Act was quickly developed as an anti-terrorism legislation in response to September 2001 attacks. The large and complex law received little congressional oversight and debate was um, signed into law by uh, President George W. Bush on October 26, 2001. So this was quickly put together. And even when it's been recertified or reenacted, there's been little drama, little um, examination of, of the Patriot Act. And, and we're going to get into some areas that the Patriot Act specifically put into place, which maybe we're not even aware of. Uh, so the Patriot Act gives sweeping search and surveillance um, privilege to domestic law enforcement and foreign intelligence agencies that eliminates checks and balances that previously gave the courts opportunity to check that those powers were not abused. Um, so there's there's argument, right, that it's it's a threat to our basic rights as Americans. So here are some components of the, the Patriot Act. And I, I need to lay down this because the next part of the presentation here, the next part of this gets into now some additional things which have happened and are or are likely to happen and things that will probably be permanent for the social contract or more power that the state will have over its citizens. So let's look at the first one here. It's information sharing. That's part of the Patriot Act. It's been in place since again, 2001. Meaning that um, between the Justice Department, other agencies, you don't have to get warrants and, and all of these things if, if you feel that there's could be some type of act of terrorism or other urgent need to preserve um, the basic tenets of society. You can exchange information, right? Before that was really not a very fluid process across like FBI, CIA, Secret Service. I mean, all of these agencies, it was more complicated to share information. So information sharing got changed after 2001, got much more streamlined uh, between, again, the FBI, CIA, things like that. Um, here's something. Now, this, this is roving wiretaps. Okay, so roving wiretaps went in place. Remember, you know, the old wiretap on your phone? Well, now it's a wiretap. Um, permission to do Justice Department has permission through the um, Patriot Act and through reauthorized versions of the Patriot Act right now to tap this podcast, to tap this live stream. They have permission to do that. Um, 
again, it's surveillance if they if they feel that they're ascertaining information um, which could lead them to critical inf all these things that are foggy, right? I don't know what is critical information, you know, to preserve the well-being of a country and society and all of that. So, but it's your personal devices. And how are they working with companies? Are they working with Apple and Google and other companies to get this information? It's working with these companies to get um, access to your, you know, whether it be your your phone, whether it's going to be your internet. We already know, you know, the internet. Edward Snowden cleared cleared that up, right? Our internet is being monitored. But now things like your Fitbit, right? All of this stuff being monitored, right? Um, and these again, these roving wiretaps, which can happen. Um, you don't need a warrant for these types of things. So that's that's out there. Uh, multiple devices, um, access to records. So. The thing here is anything in connection with, and then it kind of goes on. So if I donate money, right, and that organization has some affiliation with something which could be related to terrorism or whatever, or just ancillary, something to that effect. Now, I am considered un under this access to records um, technically kind of like an ac accomplice to that, where they can look into my records to see um, you know, to learn more about me. Now, this isn't something like I'm overtly doing, right? I'm not trying to support any organizations, but right now, you know, the, the negative, right? Of course not. But it it opens, again, it's all open to interpretation. It's all open to interpretation. And there's something called a 215 um, order, and that is a gag rule, a 215 order. These happen quite frequently. We, we don't hear about them. Why not? Because it's a gag order. So this happens, if it happened to me, they came in and said, we need to, you know, whatever records you have for, you know, whatever, you're podcasting. We need every podcast that you produced it and we need the entire file that's not edited. Okay, why? But anyway, they could do that. And then they could also say, here's a 215 order, David, meaning you can't say anything about this um, otherwise, you'd be subject, you know, to incredible penalties or imprisonment. And that's so just check out 215-215 order. It's a gag rule. It's used actually more than any of us know, because who's going to say, I got a 215 order. Me, I'm the 215. No. Let's look over in the in the chat. Um, Athem, I'm home lifting weights while I listen to you, Doc. All right. Good deal. Good deal. I got some weights back here, too. I got I to gotta do some lifting. Picked my bike up yesterday, so... I lucked out on that. The bike uh, place was not identified as non-essential, so they were able to get me tune-ups, and I had a couple of gears I had to had to do some stuff with. But um, so, yeah, um, Cameron, Cameron, welcome. I appreciate that you're here. Um, what's up, guys? Um, and Nick, yeah, you're podcasting a little too often for your personality type in our records. Yeah, who who knows? Like, who knows, right? So. Um, Anyway, this 215 order, and there's something called a sneak and peek warrant. Okay, these all, all exist now. They've existed, again, for you know much of the last 20 years. A sneak and peek allows, hey, we have a, a, you know, a tip where we can go into your, um, into your house, into your business without letting you know. We don't need to get a warrant ahead of time if we have, again, if we feel this is important for national security, which again, you can probably argue that 10 ways to Sunday, right? <laughs> I mean, you probably could. And the next part, and this is this is the last one um, we're going to hit upon, is material support. Um, and actually material support, I already talked about a little bit, but that's if they find um, 
you know, that you're giving uh, money to an organization and that organization then is somehow involved in, you know, whatever that is um, uh, related to terrorism, related to anti, um, you know, government activities, related to the well-being of society, whatever it is, whatever it is. Again, these things are not well-defined, right? Because it's all interpretation. So let's talk about, so the biggest thing, uh, you know, out of that, I think is, the roving wiretaps, um, and we're going to get into that a little bit. What that what that probably means right now for coronavirus, especially the fact that okay, that my friends out in uh, the Pittsburgh area are sending me information on the global information system stuff, the mapping stuff, and they're going in and saying, "Look, we're getting information on the maps. We know right down to the block. Um, here's you know here's a higher density of people who have been identified COVID two nineteen positive." Now let's think about this. Let's dissect this for a little bit. Um, you know, what if there are some essential businesses in that area that need deliveries? Is that going to be a risk then for delivery drivers? Or not say, I'm not going to go there. That place is like the darkest blue there is on the app. Like that's dense. What does it mean if you live there and you you put your house up for sale in a year? Remember, there's this thing in place. If you sell your house, um, you have to reveal like if there's any lead, right? Is there, has, is there any lead paint in the house at any time? And then you have to sign off on that. What if there is something that says we have to reveal if somebody was uh, COVID 2019 positive that resided in this house within the last two years? Okay, you probably said that's ridiculous, Dave. No one would do that. Well, what if someone is buying and they have a, a compromised immune system and this is information I guess maybe they need to know or want to know, but I'm I'm laying this all out of there are things that are happening right now which are going to have ramifications that we can't even begin to imagine the depth of these things. But we can if we're listening and kind of having this discourse and over in the chat right now. Um, yeah. So, hey, Thomas Hobbes, he was a heck of a guy. Thomas Hobbes. So anyway, Thomas Hobbes, I wrote about him in, in my book. So this is like 400 years ago, but I'm going to just read a little segment here so you get an, get an idea. He wrote a book called Leviathan, okay? Leviathan. If you go in and you do a search for it, um, you're going to find this, this man on the head of a giant sea monster. And basically what he kind of talked about is, um, you know, that man has to have some type of government because if there isn't government, then people are just like too chaotic to try to manage stuff on their own. But he's like a little bit of government, not a lot, like just a little bit of government. So um, here we go. Written during the English Civil War, 1642 to 1651, Leviathan argues for a social contract and ruled by an absolute sovereign. Hobbes wrote that civil war in the brute situation of a state of nature um, could only be avoided by strong, undivided government. So basically saying if there wasn't a government in place, some type of government, people just couldn't handle things on their own. They wouldn't be able to, to live on. This is his, his position, right? Um, the association with the Leviathan makes it a symbol of depth and surfacing. So actually in, in the image I put together for this, there's actually a Leviathan image. It kind of looks like what Prince used for his image. It's it's uh, right next to my, in, in my head. But um, the Leviathan, it's called Leviathan Cross. It was developed by the Knights Templar. And um, anyway, so just crazy stuff. Just absolutely crazy stuff. Let's go over to the chat. Um, Nick, uh, we get to do whatever we want because we have the guns and most of, of you don't act. Um, yeah, I mean, if we really think about it, right, you know, guns, um, 
the ability for you to access public services, electricity, internet, you know, water. Um, we have, you know, permission now that I'm hearing uh, for people to enter um, certain uh, stores to get food, to get pharmaceuticals, that they have to have a purpose to go in in, in, in a limited amount of time and very clear why they're there and why they, they um, you know, it, it's, it's crazy, folks. It really is. Um, Cameron, why do you think that things happen so quickly, specifically governmental responses? Okay, um, there were there were um, large scale tabletop exercises, very specific to pandemic response um, within the the last. Well, it started last summer. I think there was one again in October. Um, I I have to, to it, it involved like UPS and things like that. Um, so one one was held in New York. There were some that were international, but I can post links out to those. And actually I did post a couple links, um, in a different podcast I did, but so there was, there was a lot of preparation behind the scenes. And why do I think things that happen so quickly, Cameron? I think one is, um, the Patriot Act is in place to make these things happen. And the other part is it's just this cascade effect. And, and Nick knows this really well. Um, it's customer perceived value and social proof. So when, somebody perceives, right? When citizens perceive or parents in a school district, hey, if you shut the school down, our kids are going to be safer. One district does that. Then the next district, that becomes social proof for them. Hey, if we don't shut our school down, are we putting our kids at risk? And maybe this school that shut down, you know, they've, they've consulted with the county. They know what to do. And so you start to see that people starting to shut things down. It gets fast. State by state, governors see what other governors do. Oh, they shut that down. We should shut this down. Um, so that's why I think we, we've seen this, um, this, this pace. And it's really herky-jerky crazy, right? Because we were supposed to go to Disney. We we're supposed to be in Disney Orlando March 16th. And on, the, on March 13th, Disneyland shut down in the afternoon. And then four hours later, Disney World and Disney Cruises shut down. So it wasn't even coordinated. So I think, Cameron, the fact is it's just this fast cascade of information that people get. The first 72 hours is just crazy. Now, this is different, though, than a 9-11 because 9-11 was an event that happened and it concluded and it was over, you know, just like hurricanes. This is more like a Chernobyl. Like if we go back, I lived during um, the 80s when Chernobyl happened in Russia. When Chernobyl happened, the world was on edge for quite a few months. Like, was the radiation going to work its way over to the United States? What impact was that going to have on our crops? That was a big thing. Um, just, you know, what would be the impact on people? Were we going to have this, this high rate of cancer all throughout Europe? So that, re that reminds me of kind of what's happening right now. Um, I see some, you know, parallels with that. So, but yeah, th this is, and, and again, now we, we fragment this down to the lowest common denominator. So it goes from, you know, federal level and feds usually leave things to the states to make decisions. Um, states making decisions and then counties within states, cities within states. So um, it's, you know, you, you'll, a week or two ago, I mean, there were counties in Pennsylvania that were going into nightly curfews. There were cities that were doing curfews in Pennsylvania, not like in Philadelphia, in Pittsburgh, like, you know, the bigger uh, metro areas, like in smaller areas, like they were saying, yeah, it's eight o'clock at night, we're going to do the fire whistle and everybody needs to be in. And if you're not in, and we, you know, we find you outside, you'll have a warning. And after that, you'll have a fine. And the other part on these fines is what I've been hearing 
is they're also um, what's called above the line fines, meaning it's not something, it's not like a parking ticket, right? If you get it and you don't pay it, um, it just kind of goes away. Oh yeah, you know, I'm going to, no, it's like, you know, you have to pay that or um, you're going to have a forfeiture of, of property and you're not going to be able to dismiss it. So this is some serious stuff. And we have to remember too, we're under this, this called Stafford Act right now, which is kind of like martial law, kind of, but basically they're, they're, nobody knows what this means, right? We haven't gone to the Stafford Act before. Um, at a at a national level, so the president, you know, puts us in place, and then all of a sudden, a lot of things change um, on what states can do, uh, what they the, the powers that, that they can exercise, and what they're held accountable for. Um, when all this is done, um, it's it's I mean, it's brand new territory, right? Um, so, comment from Ted. Um, Ted wrote that just in the last couple of days, the Army Corps uh, got involved under national response framework. Yes. F number three should arguably have been done when emergency um, was declared. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something, too, is like the the Army, the, the Corps of Engineers, uh, National Guard, um, you know, states activating those in, in different steps would have been much cleaner to have this all done at a national level. Right. And get everybody on board because, you know, obviously this is working its way across the country. Um, I'm not too. I'm in close to Dane County, which is which is a hot spot. That's a dense, uh, dense area for COVID uh, 2019 positive cases in the state of Wisconsin. We're not far from Chicago, so um, let's let's take a look now and let's kind of shift the the show over. Of what is um, what's what's changing? Okay, what's changing with the social contract for all of us? So Edward Snowden um, chimed in on this, you know, just in, in the last couple of days. And here's what he said. He said, you know, um, the, U the U.S. government, for instance, is reportedly in talks with tech companies like Facebook and Google to use um, anonymous location data from phones to help track the spread of COVID-19. While some say the measure could be a helpful tool for health authorities to track the virus, others have expressed concerns about how the information is being shared with government. And Edward Snowden has indicated he believes the coronavirus is going to expand the Patriot Act. I'm going to tell you some ways that uh, he's indicated also some ways that I've been hearing from my uh, member checks in the field. So again, let's kind of recap where we're at here. Uh, so we've talked about social contract. It's been around forever. You know, it's been around since Thomas Hobbes in the 1600s back in, in uh England, basically the, the argument of social contract is saying, listen, listen, we need some type of government in place, some type, like a basic government to make things run. Because if we don't have a government, society isn't going to function well. And as Hobbes said, it's going to be very brutish. So that's his, that was his take. Now, social contract um, in the United States has evolved significantly uh, following September 11, 2001, um, giving the ability for Justice Department to do um, roving wiretaps, access to records, um, sneak and peek warrants, and so, and so forth. Okay, so let's pause right here. There's three likes. If you like the show, get up there, hit the uh, thumbs up. I appreciate that. Also, you can subscribe up in the right-hand corner, the little safety doc thing. Um, the show has been growing. I do appreciate that you've, uh, you know, you're spending some time here. 
I also appreciate that I'm able to produce this content and get it out there. I have 125 podcasts. Uh, more lately, it's been the live streams, but go out and you, know, you can check out a lot of, of content um, specific to you know just just safety, just specific to you know keeping yourself in a, in a good position, especially during perilous times. Um, so here's the first thing: tracking your phone, right? Um, tracking your phone, the ability for the government to track your phone, they have it, right? They have it right now, though, we know that phones are being tracked, that COVID 20, 2019, or let's just say coronavirus uh, positive people who are quarantining at home, their phones are being tracked. So here's the argument for making, the, for doing this, right? Here's the argument. The argument is, well, we can reverse trace um, who you were in contact with. Like we can, no we can notify those people and make them safer. And likewise for you, the selling point for you, right, is we're going to let you know if you came in contact with um, somebody, you know, you were at, at a, some event or even a meeting or whatever it was. And we know that your cellular, you know, you were there with them at this time. And, um, you know, they've tested positive. So we want you to quarantine for 14 days. So you can... You, you can pitch that, right? That sounds legitimate that you're doing that. That, that actually sounds like that makes sense. Um, the other part is, hey, we're, we're going to be able to watch your phone, where you go with your GPS. And if you get to a quarantine hot zone, we know that these hot zones now are being tracked and they're publicly being shared out through GIS data, Google Maps, things like that, of areas that have a high concentration of people who have tested positive and are quarantining. Um, basically saying, listen, you know, when you go out, there's going to be an alert on your phone. Again, I'm, this this isn't happening right now, although we're a lot closer to this than we were just a week ago. But imagine, you know, it says, you know, you're, you're approaching a zone and a Google map comes up and it's like, here's an alternative route and boom. So there it is. Um, now, enforcement. Let's think of all the people who are spring breakers are out on the beach down in Florida and uh, they're like, well, this isn't going to upset my spring break. You know, we're going to we're going to have a, a great time. And we saw all those images. Right. And people, you know, out on ski hills and just in parks and, and you know, doing other things and not doing social distancing. But um, what's what's capable and what I've been hearing. Right. Is let's say you're at a beach and, um, you know, you're not the beach has been closed and people aren't following the, these 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 orders, these decrees. Um, you have your phone with you. Most people carry their phone with them. They're addicted to their phone. Um, your phone registers that is, is in that area. So all of a sudden, you know, you get an alert. Remember like the presidential alert comes on, on your phone or the severe weather alerts we get, you know, something similar to that. And it says you are in a restricted area. You know, you've got 10 minutes to exit this area. And if you don't, here's a consequence. You'll have a fine right? Because they have your phone, it's linked to your personal ID, that's linked to your address, social security number, it's linked to your taxes, all of that. So I mean, you'd have fine. The other thing is they could easily say, listen, here's the deal. Um, we're going to shut your phone down. Um, basically, it's called stunning is the process. We're going to shut your phone down. Um, there's already capability to do this. If the internet um, the tower system significantly got more fatigued, because of a natural disaster, or right now, if more people are using the system, it can degrade to the point where it just gets down to like text messages. There's just different things that get activated that can degrade your system. And you can lose the ability, for example, to like stream over your phone, um, stuff like that. That's a government decision. So, but imagine it comes up 
and it says, uh, it, it says, Hey Nick, um, you know, you got to get out of here. And if you don't, the phone is going to shut down and you'll have five minutes, the last five minutes of every hour for the next day, your phone will be able to function. You can text, do whatever. Uh, 911 will stay active, but, um, otherwise boom. Now that's going to be a song, a strong social deterrent, right? Imagine if you did that to a few people, they're going to be like, this sucks. I can't get to my phone. And they're addicted to Facebook and to Twitter and all of these types of things. Um, it's a, it's a social conditioner. It's a behavioral response. And I think it would work. I'm not saying this is the road that we should go down, but the technology is there to make this happen. And I believe we're close to seeing that happen. So let's just keep your ears open for this. I've started to hear it in my circles that the technology for this um, is has been up and running, and there is some thought of using this in certain areas. Um, they already have it for drones, right? So if you have a drone and you're flying near a hospital, the drone gets a signal and can't fly any further into that protective air zone. It, it basically turns around the drone. Um, and they have it at NFL stadiums, you know, during games and big sporting events and these types of things, too. It's kind of like a, a similar approach on some of this technology or basically you would go there and maybe it would just wipe out your cell phone service. But I mean, I think that would be temporary. I think it's the fact that if you're there with your phone, it's going to stun it and then you're going to get this alert and it's going to say, um, yeah, you got 15 minutes. And if, you, if you're not out of here, then in addition to everything else bad that's happening to you with the fines and whatever, we're going to stun your phone and you're going to get five minutes of the end of the hour for the next 24 hours. Um, so let's go over to the, the chat, um, Atham. It's martial law, but we're not going to call it that. It feels, it feels kind of like it, except the military presence. And Atham, one of the things I've noticed is the language that the states are using right now for the stay-at-home orders. Well, one is they started to, initially when this was all happening, it was lockdown. And lockdown was a horrible term to use because it's associated with school lockdowns for assailants and then also um, like um, in the prison system and stuff like that. That wasn't an appropriate term. It was, you know, shelter at place, in place. So if you're like in a dorm, stay in the dorm or whatever, or stay at home. If you're at home, stay at home. So, um, but what happened, like in my state, a couple of days ago, the governor came out with safer at home decree. I'm like, safer at home? The hell is that? I've never heard that anywhere. I've never read that anywhere. I've, this is, so you know, you know, there, there was a meeting and they're sitting down saying, how do we announce this without making everybody really nervous and anxious? All right, we're going to call it, um, how about this, safer at home. Yeah, I like it. Let's get it out there. So this is a term that didn't exist somewhere. It was fabricated. And it, it again, it gives this, this impression um, that, that this do doesn't have the the serious ramifications um, that it that it really does. So yeah, it's it's just all. Um, Boris, can I play that guitar? No, that guitar is actually not playable. That's for display only. Um, but I got another guitar. I could get out. Um, Bullrush, those who um, surrender their liberties for security deserve neither. Right. So we're we're going to be at this point um, where we're going to have a lot more uh, liberties given over and think about um, also, okay, tracking your phone. There could be something like social shaming. This is happening right now in Britain, right now. The police are taking drones and they're getting pictures of people um, in parks and underneath they're saying, 
you know, these people are here. They're not exercising social distancing. This is not essential. But here's the deal. Like they're identity. You can identify some of these people. Now they backed off of some of this, but people are like, you know, now it's social shaming, right? My family has seen this. My employer, you could lose your job because of something like this. Wow. Um, let's move on to the second one. So first thing is um, get ready for extensive tracking of your phone, um, the GPS features of your phone, your vehicle GPS easily. Yeah, your your all anything on uh, it's with your vehicle that's that's going to be tracked. Um, they're going to know where your vehicles were. You know, government will know. This will also be important argument, right, for reverse tr tracing of where you've been. Um, so that's going to be out there. Same reasons as as above. And who knows? I mean, could we get to a point where if you're violating a stay at home um, order or, you know, something where you're doing something non-essential, like going to an area that's been deemed non-essential non or whatever, um, could could your vehicle be shut down? You know, could there be something where your, your vehicle um, is deactivated for 12 hours or something like that? You know, once it's, once it's at your house, who knows? Here's a, here's another one, DNA information. Remember all of these, these tests people were, were, you know, doing the saliva, sending off and Hey, you know, like, I'm, you know, 70%, you know, iration, whatever. And uh, here's my relatives and yeah, there's a, there's a DNA match somewhere. Well, let's think about this right now. Through an expansion of the, the Patriot Act, um, and if we're looking at the Patriot Act to keep the country safe and we're considering viruses and pandemics part of that, um, would would there be a need? Would there be a benefit for the government to know what your DNA was, what your genetic structure was, your blood type? What if they're finding out with this virus that there's a certain genetic pattern of people who are more resistive to it and a certain genetic predisposition that makes you more vulnerable to it? Could there be where your DNA is kept on record and they're contacting you immediately when something comes out and, and say, you know, you're, you're at high risk. You need to already quarantine. So maybe like people back in February would be called and, you know, told you have to quarantine. Um, so this is something I, th I was always hesitant when people would say, I just did the test and, you know, volunteered over my DNA to this company, which, um, you know, has issues of securing its own data. And how does that get out? What if an insurance provider, finds that information out. Um, and, you know, we say, well, but what if my insurance prior, you know, is, is a private carrier and, you know, this will be protected. Well, we know things get stolen every day for information. And what if government becomes the insurance provider at some point or it's age 65, you know, with Medicare, what if there's information that is known? How is that going to impact your treatment? We already know, like in Italy, there's, there's information that's known that impacts your treatment. It's called your age. You know, if you're above 80, you're, you're not getting a ventilator. I mean, so some of these things now um, become very invasive. And of I mean, it could just be the way, way you're born. You just come out with a certain genetic set, a genetic profile. And again, if this virus is saying you're more susceptible and yet, you know, nothing else is kind of shut down in society, there could be an order for you to do stay at home. So this is, wow, this is really something to think about. Um, so number four, <laughs> think about this. You know, how many of us did those, you know, little exercise, uh, you know, bands and stuff like that where it tracks how much you're walking a day and and your heart rate and your temperature and all of that. That information is easily obtainable um, right here through the existing Patriot Act through access to records, easily obtainable. Um, 
what would be valuable in that? Yeah, if it's um, your temperature. So if your temperature is over 100, that information could get out. You could be uh, identified by um, health services and mandate it to go and to take a certain test, right? So anything, these trackable, wear, wearable fitness, you know, things, I think you're opening yourself up to um, a lot of exposure of personal data that is being shared. Um, you know, again, heart rate, resting heart rate, temperature, activity, all of these things. Um, it, it's, I, Edward Snowden uh, identified this too as information which will be harvested. And I believe this is information um, that I would recommend. I'm, and I don't, I don't have any of that stuff. And I think it's a, it's a big privacy risk anyway to do that. Um, let's look at another one, access to surveillance videos and facial recognition. So meaning here's a scenario where this could play out. Let's say that somebody has been identified um, as COVID uh, 2019 positive and they're in, but they're showing mild symptoms. They're told to stay at home um, and to stay, not leave their home. Um, if any reason they need it to leave their home, um, they needed to have protective gear on and, and do social distancing. But so they get these directives, right? Here's the deal. So what if they're out in public and a surveillance video anywhere, like any surveillance picks them up, they, you know, you don't know it, but you go through your entire day. And there's many times if you're driving your vehicle license plate, there's photos of it. And I've had that confirmed by, um, you know, numerous law enforcement officers. Like, yeah, these systems, they exist all the time. Um, you know, police cruisers passing you, you know, get, getting images of the plates. It's just innate. It's innate technology right now. But imagine this. Somebody goes out and they're like, um, I, I'm short of whatever. I got to get some supplies. And and um, there's a picture of them and they don't have protective gear on. They're not doing social distance. That now becomes a lawsuit, right? That, that can become a civil suit. You've gone into a store. Um, if the store has to do uh, certain type of cleaning measures or other people you are proximal to. Remember proximity, right? Because we know now if people are carrying their cell phones, if they were next to somebody that somebody else gets sick, um, these things can start to spiral because now you violate. You could say, I didn't violate. I was home the whole time. Well, now we have video of you and we know where your phone was. So this was the early stage, right? In, in what was happening. People were told to stay at home and they, and they were saying, oh, like my daughter's got a concert. And I really want to go to it. So they like go to go to that, right? I'm feeling okay. And then, you know, the next day um, they're back home. Eventually some other people start saying, who are there? Like, oh, they have symptoms. You know, where, where, where did this come from? So that's the part, right? That's the part. Surveillance videos and facial recognition and just overall recognition software. AI is so advanced. I talked about, you know, the, the AI and deep fakes back when I did a PBS presentation in July. Um, that has advanced uh, light years, even since July. But knowing um, that, again, if 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 you are told to shelter at home, if you're told not to leave your home, if you're told not to, um, you know, told to do social distancing, if you're not doing these things, there's a strong likelihood that you're being observed. And now the other part of this that gets more distressing is in Dane County, Wisconsin, which is the county that... Um, is next to my county, right? The county of Dane, two days ago, on their website, put together, if you see some a group of people greater than 10 or five or two or whatever it was, 
um, you know, at the state level, you can report it. And it was very detailed out. And, and actually, that's been taken down. Um, I went and I was trying to get screenshots of it. People do have screenshots of it. But it was very detailed, basically saying, be the good person and tell us what your neighbors are doing, right? Tell us if they're getting together. Do they have a cookout in their backyard? How many people are there? Okay, there's 11 people there. Um, can you take pictures? Can you document? All of this stuff is like happening all across the world right now. It's kind of, um, actually China was was doing this for the last few years. It's called social credit score. So in China, um, you get a social credit score. And if you do things to maintain your social credit score, like um, you know, not uh, breaking the law, um, giving, uh, volunteering your time, um, driving the speed limit, things like that. You earn points and your social credit score goes up and you have more privileges to things like airplane tickets, um, you know, other, other types of things. Now, if you don't follow the law in China, you lose social credit points. And then instead of having access to the train, you might not, I mean, you have to, might have to bike somewhere. You don't, you lose your access to public transportation. You can look this stuff up, but the social credit score it's probably something that's going to go worldwide at some point. Um, check out there's um, there's a video. I think it's Dave Dave Scott. I'd have to look it up, but it's short. It's like seven eight minutes long. But if you just type in social credit score um, in a Google search, not right now, but just type it in, you're going to find um, this is this is happening all over. This framework is being put in to basically get people to have a certain set of behavior. And if you don't do that behavior, you're going to lose access two things. So imagine that. I mean, it's just crazy, right? Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at this, the surveillance. And now I just, the, what I'm hearing right now is people being told to report on other people. And I'm not, I'm not just being told that, right. I'm being sent snapshots of websites or, you know, statements, Twitter things being put out by certain forms of government in certain areas. And again, it happened just 40 miles from here, Madison, Wisconsin, Dane County, the capital of our state, um, telling people, hey, if you observe this. Now, at a face validity point, let's pause here. Does this make sense, right? Does it make sense? Our police are strained. We have a number of police um, who are sheltering um, in place. They're at home because uh, they've had exposure um, or you know symptoms, whatever. But we know that our police forces are fatigued. So our, does this make sense to take our police forces and say, go over there because Bob and Nick and Atham um, and Bullrush and Cameron and even Ted's over there. They got a big, a big uh, cookout going. Um, yeah, they got it. They got a pig over the spit. There's at least eleven of them, um, and that's just is breaking the law, right? So get over there. And this type of stuff is is then embraced. People are told to do this. So to imagine the society where. Um, you're, you're kind of rewarded. You're almost deputized, right? This is a sense we're almost deputized. Hey, like, here's my badge. Like it's right here. This is, so as, as long as I have this, I can, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of able to call these things in. I just think it doesn't make sense. Right. Um, now, obviously if there's some gathering of a hundred people, somebody keeps a, a restaurant open or something against orders. Um, that's one thing. But at this granular level, that doesn't seem like a smart way to allocate resources. Um, and again, it, it's subjective, right? There's deep fake technology out there. Somebody could get images of my house and make it look like I had a band here and 200 people. I mean, you could do that and that could be evidence then that gets submitted forward through access to records, right? And suddenly 
I'm on the I'm on the defense. I have to prove that this didn't happen and not the other way around. That they have to prove that this authentically happened. Here's the authentic piece. It's an, it's this image. And again, I go back to my my presentation in, in um, on PBS in the summer of uh, 2019 of, of how far deep fake technology was and that my connections um, within protected fields were telling me that, you know, deep fake technology was literally months away from the ability to, to ma manipulate pictures and, and scenes to make it so you could have anybody in any location and actually um, produce their voice so it would match. So like right now, my, anyone that has YouTube videos, right? Like somebody could could use deep fake technology, which is not that expensive. Um, and if you have the skills for it and you could have me say this entire manifesto, which wouldn't be accurate, but again, it would be matching what I would be, my facial movements and all of that. And I'd have to be on the defensive to prove that that wasn't so. And again, these things are happening. These things are happening. Let's pause right here. I'm going to check out the... Uh, the chat. And if you can get up there, do a little, little thumbs up. I appreciate it. Subscribe to the channel and share. <clears throat> this is coconut water, by the way, coconuts. Thanks. Man. No, I'm not sick. Please do not report me to authorities. I am I'm fine. I'm feeling great. There's no humidity down here in the North star weather studio. If you want to live in an environment that has no humidity and it's not the desert, come down here. So yeah, just things dry out. Um, so let's check out the chat room. Um, just for time's sake, we are about 23 minutes from, from wrapping things up here. Um, so Atham, my Fitbit died. I'm not replacing it though. Mechanical watches cannot be tracked. Yeah, I mean, Atham, these are things that we just, we have to think about. We do need to think about. You You do these things, I mean, and, and you're, you're giving a ton of information over. And the thing is, right? And the thing is, how many times do we get notified that our information has been stolen, right? That Yahoo, I, I filled out the thing to get the Yahoo settlement because Yahoo's like, yeah, all of the accounts were stolen and all of the whatever. So, you know, you get what, maybe $200, but this happens every day and it happens, you know, with our banking industry. <laughs> I mean, it's just insane that should have the protections on this. But um, but yeah, so somebody markets something and it goes out there and you think they have this this huge, robust um, safety system built around it to protect your data? Probably not. Let's go back to the chat. Um, Nick, um, when you go outside and they see a Facebook ad saying, shouldn't you be at home? It's as as you indicated, Nick, Nick's, Nick's uh, an expert with marketing. Even the marketing is going to start steering you back to coerced behavior, right? If you're not using socially uh, appropriate behavior as deemed per the government. Um, I was in Walmart today and a few things stuck out at Walmart. One is like in the pharmacy area, we're walking by and there's, there's, there's blue squares on the floor. And if you're waiting, you have to stand in a blue square. You have to stand in a blue square and you can't be closer than six feet to somebody. You're in a blue square. In the lines, there's also blue squares. You have to stay in black in blue squares. Over the announcements. So social distancing, hand washing. Um, please bear with us. We have, we have limited stock and, you know, things like this. And, and but all of these things, you know, please keep social distancing, um, you know, away from our associates and whatever. And if if you need help, I mean, things like that. Whoa, that's, that's just, that's crazy stuff. Um, uh, Nick, 
it's just the logical next step to see something, say something. Yeah. So we've been conditioned to the see something, say something already in school systems that's been around for school safety. See something, someone making, you know, a, a threatening post, harm to self, say something. Um, so in that context, that makes sense. But that's that can be rapidly expanded out then to a general populace to a see something, say something. Hey, citizens, you have a role in keeping our neighborhood safe and our society. Don't you want to be safe? This is where the marketing part of it comes in, right? Um, be on the side of keeping our community safe. We do not want, um, you know, this, this massive number of, of deaths, people impacted by viruses, by other things. And I mean, this could be endless, right? Keep people safe. Now, of course, you know, I want people to be safe, but I'm saying when it gets to this granular level of saying, if you know, you can, I, if there's 11 people in a backyard having a barbecue, um, you can report all, and the form is really intense, right? And and the documentation you can put together for all of this to basically make your case. Um, and then police would go, and then you know, there's fines and all of this stuff. It's, it's not a good use of resources, especially during a time when everything is fatigued and overstressed. So it doesn't make sense, but it's it's coercion, right? The reason it's out there is it's coercive. Even if they don't follow up on it, if government doesn't follow up on it, maybe you get a notice when this settles down of saying this happened on this date. You know, um, we were aware that or someone reported that you violated the the decree of, you know, 10 people in groups or whatever. But just having it out there is going to deter a number of people from doing these gatherings uh, because if they think they're going to be reported and they think there's these, and this hasn't been made very clear, clear yet. So I'm going to make it, I talked about it earlier, these above the line fines and consequences, meaning they don't get dismissed like in court through, you know, a, a judge or, or through bankruptcy or something like that. Like these things would stay with you, these, these progressively substantial fines. And again, you could lose things. You could lose access um, you know, to to sell service, other things like that. These are all things that happen in other countries. Look at Israel, how Israel responded to social distancing, um, using, um, making it very overt. Everything that you do on your phone, all everything is being tracked. And again, the arguments that come out for this, you know, well, we can reverse trace then. This is good for you because we can let you know if you've been in an area right? Um, we can let others know if they've been in an area. So it's in, even if you have GPS turned off, right? In your phone, you're going around, but somebody calls your phone, the GPS, all of the towers know that that is your phone. And that message will get to your phone, even if someone calls you from a thousand miles away. So your phone is always on, even if it's off and the GPS on off stuff is just kind of a joke, right? Like Everybody, all the towers know where the phone is at. There's always a little bit of passive ping, pinging that's going on, right? Um, one ping only. What movie was that from? Chat room? One ping only. Ping. And then, how's this Russian? All right. Nobody knows that? One ping only? All right. I'll give you a moment. Let's go back in the chat. Um... Sir Baden, um, no, don't send the police. Uh, just let natural selection take its course. They'll be dead soon and society will be better off. Yeah, it's um, it's a lot to think about. I mean, that statement is 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 a lot to is a lot to process. Whatever you do, do not get the COVID uh, vaccination tracking. Uh, we'll be in it. I mean, 
who knows, right? And is it going to be ma mandatory? Is it going to be that if you, you don't get um, vaccinated, then you won't be able to get a driver's license or you won't be able to get a passport or a tax return or whoever? I mean, who, how are these things going to be intertwined with that? Do you go to get a, your cell phone and suddenly something comes up on a tracker saying, oh, by the way, um, you know, you're, you're on some kind of registry now of people who have not received the vaccine and no, we can't, unfortunately we can't sell this to you until you've got it. So all of these things, right. They're all at play. Um, Cameron, I don't know if it's true or not, but I read an article saying that Denmark is making its citizens, um, take forced vaccinations. Yeah. Yeah. I've been hearing that too. And other countries looking at that, um, as being a forced vaccination. Bull Rush, you're absolutely right. The Hunt for Red October. I remember it, watched it in the theater. I thought it was one of the most awesome movies ever. The Hunt for Red October. Yeah, it was back in the 80s. Sean Connery. So, wow, just crazy stuff. Um, so let me go through and kind of touch base on what this means for all of us. Well, the, the first thing is we have to take care of ourselves, right? Your locus of control is you, is you. You have control over yourself and what you're doing. Um, so be aware of what's happening around you. It's situational awareness, it's 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 really big. Um, a couple of you in the, the chat have, um, all right, Brian, um, hey, Published my book tonight. Awesome. Good job. Uh, Brian's taken, taken off. So Brian is, is someone who does member checks. Uh, he updates me on what's going on in his area of the country on the East Coast. So get your member check network together. Face validity. This is so important. Face validity. Um, someone says, oh, this is happening. Um, I, I hear this all the time. You know, th this is happening. The state border has been closed. They're turning people around at the state border. And then I'm like, oh, I haven't heard that. I don't... I, is it really happening? Um, and if you ask somebody and they drive down there, it's like, no, it, it's it's not happening. Face validity. Listen to what people are actually observing, authentically observing in different areas of the country. So find your friends, people who you can trust to give you authentic information. And, you know, they can either drive, drive out, you know, do the social distancing thing. Don't put yourself at risk. Boy, I just, these people who are like, hey, here's a video I'm sharing, Dave. I, I recorded it. I went through like my Walmart and like I hid the, the camera or something so I can show you like the shelves and stuff like that. I'm like, don't do that. I mean, I don't need to see that. I mean, you know, first of all, I don't even think that's legal, but um, just do, uh, you know, going out in your community taking some, some, you know, inventory of what's happening at the hospital, if there's armory at the grocery, what's being shut down, what's not parks, things like this. Are you observing police patrols, whatever, what you authentically are observing. Um, and not again, what you're hearing on the media and not what people are telling you. And their only source is the media. Like I'm telling you this because I heard it on the news in my town. Well, that's different than you were actually out in your town and authentically tell me, yes, at eight o'clock, they sound the tornado siren. And that means that's curfew and everybody needs to get in. I can, I hear it. And, you know, the vehicles go up and down the, the roads just to, to make sure people are in. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, and people telling me, again, so what's brand new in my face validity of what's coming in is I, I, I'll reiterate, people on the East Coast, especially in uh, the Pittsburgh region, are saying they've been issued papers by their employers. 
saying that they are essential employees and that they have um, they, they need to report to work and that they have been told by their employers, told, all right, now the media tells us not, but they've been told by their employers to expect to be stopped by law enforcement and then present this to law enforcement. And then that should be fine. You should be able to come into your essential job. Um, but that's where they're at. Always keep that. The other part is I've been hearing, always have your ID on you, on your person, right? Whoever your person is, on your person at all times, always have your ID on, uh, on you. Whether you're just getting outside for a walk to a park or, you know, whatever. I mean, if you're leaving, I have my wallet in my back pocket like right now. Um, and I normally would never have it on me in the house. Um, you know, I have a, a just a, a place, you know, dresser. If I'm at home, like I, I just put it on, on the dresser. But no, I always keep everything with me right now. Um, I think it's really a good idea. Always have your ID on you because if there is any questions, you know, coming up with, with law enforcement and social distancing and, and it's really rapid, right? All of this stuff is just cascading. Um, you don't want to be saying, here's who I am and I can't prove it because like, unless you take my fingerprints or something like that, like just be smart, like have your ID and, and your member checks, right? Your member checks, that makes a lot of sense. Ever since this really started about, you know, maybe a month ago, I put together my member checks and we talked and, um, our discussions were just tell me what's happening every couple days in your setting. And I did a video on this about a week ago. It was a Saturday. I went out, set up at some different places and socially distanced. I wasn't near anybody and said, here's what authentically is happening, but also authentically what I'm hearing on the news. And the news was, was saying, you know, our wall, all store parking lots are just packed and stuff like that. And I did the videos like Walmart was 30%. Did the armory, there were two cars in the parking lot, nothing unusual. When you start to hear and see things though, it heightens, gets you prepared, um, and again, what I'm hearing is I would anticipate more areas. You're going to have papers. Your, your papers you're going to have if you're an essential employee. Um, I think we're very close from what I've been hearing also. Like, let's say you have an appointment at a, at a doctor or you have to go to the bank or something. Like, all banks are drive-through now. But um, you might have to call ahead. And they would give you some kind of ID or some number or something you'd print off. Boom. Right. And then there you'd have to have that with you there. Again, we're we're hearing. No, we're not going to get to that level. But then on a granular um, report out from people in the field, they're telling me, yeah, we're totally at that right now. Totally at that level. Right. Um, it is it is absolutely, absolutely crazy. So um, let's uh, let's go over to the chat. Um, Cameron. Um, that's what happens when you don't have an armed populace um, or, or bull rush wrote, wrote that to, to Cameron. Um, bull rush. I have uh, LTC. Um, I have to have on my license, um, license to carry. I have to have it on me at all times. And there's bull rush also wrote, uh, there's no law that says you have to carry ID. You're also not obligated to help police your identity, uh, make them do the work. So yeah. Yeah. So that's accurate. Right. Um, and I've, I've heard that from people um, in New York who have gone up to Rhode Island that they've been sharing that information through legal counsel of saying um, that, you know, they don't have to, um, you know, carry and present an ID if they get up to Rhode Island everywhere that, that they're going. Um, 
But again, if you're exercising kind of this, this pseudo type of martial law, the Stafford Act, and however the states are interpreting these emergency acts, you're really leaving things up to, you know, state patrol, county, um, local police to, to, to do these things, um, to make these decisions, this decision-making, their discretion. That's what this is all about. It's their discretion. And they're thinking, you know, the fallout for this, who's going to really look back and, and, you know, say that, oh, we shouldn't have been pulled over or I shouldn't have showed the ID. If you go back and use the argument, well, this was done under, you know, the, um, access to records or, or we, we thought that this, there could have been a chance that this vehicle was, was in an area where it was a high population of positive tested patients per GIS. I mean, you could go through all of these rabbit holes, right? And you could basically kind of softly justify it and just say, our bad, like we will do better next time. But this was a state of chaos for everybody. We were making the rules up as we go. It was better to be safe than sorry, which is really crazy. Right. Um, but this is, again, this is where we're, we're really at. Um, uh, Ka uh, Cameron wrote, uh, the gyms in my area have sent out a few emails saying that they were opening on the 11th. Does this seem realistic? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I just, I don't, man, I just do not see that. Um, and I mean, I've, I've, I've heard largely confirmed all schools will be shut down like K-16 face to face, um, throughout the rest of this year. And even some consideration that there would be only virtual education for the first semester for fall. That's already coming in. A lot of colleges saying we're not going to populate our dorms. So I don't, I don't see that. I've heard if the MBA, the MBA might start up about that time, but they would do it without fans. Um, so that I've heard. But, but here's another point. So Cameron, though, you bring up a great point, right? At some level, there, there's going to be some degree where people are just going to say, we've got, I mean, for livelihood and, you know, we've understood now social distancing. And if we do have some information on some more localized hot zones, we can stay away from those, but um, we need to get back to, um, you know, things to, to regular economic ac activity. Um, and, you know, so those types of things I think will, will happen. We're going to have some of these essential services that's going to be redefined. Um, so maybe some smaller places can open up as long as they say, we're going to follow, like, for example, my town, the, the small engines place is closed, which is ridiculous because they also service like gas generators, right? Doesn't make any sense. But the paint place is open. So, but I would say, you know, there's going to be something of saying you can open, um, but you are going to have to follow social distancing then through this extended period of whatever, you know, through May or, but I, I don't know. I'm really hesitant to put any type of uh, sunset on this because I don't think we're close to having that discussion of a sunset. And again, as somebody who lived through, uh, you know, Chernobyl, I was in the United States, but lived through the whole, you know, Chernobyl nuclear disaster in, in, in Russia back in the mid 80s. You know, that, that really was months for things to kind of settle out or even like Eastern Bloc. Um, European countries, how travel would occur, um, testing and harvesting of crops and all of that. I mean, there was a lot to figure out. And I think it's really ambitious. Now I would be, I'd be happy. I mean, I, I would, I would be happy because this is, uh, you know, this is really obviously disruptive, disconcerting. Um, if you have anything, uh, please contact me, Cameron. If, if you have, if this does happen, um, get a hold of me. Send me some authentic information with that. I'll I'll cite it as a member check and say, here, some things um, are changing. 
but right now, no, it's kind of like every day. I just see more and more and more places um, that are notifying that, that they're shutting down. Um, Atham wrote, papers, please. At least we can combat illegal immigration with this. No, at a high cost, though. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely this has an impact on on um, immigration. Um, but I mean, there's there's all in, in Atham, right? There's going to be all of these things, though, that we're not even thinking about right now. Like um, we know that homes have been identified if someone is living in a home that on Google Maps in like Pittsburgh area, you can bring that down to the, the street level and maybe down to a house level if it's maybe an apartment building, whatever, and say this this area was dense for people testing positive for the coronavirus. So in the short term, what that means is maybe um, suppliers aren't going to drive down and, and, and take the risk of going to that grocery store and resupplying it or that. In the long term, it could be, you know, a year from now, you put your house up for sale and someone's like that house, um, somebody was quarantined during the coronavirus in that house. And I have a compromised immune system. So um, sorry, I'm not going to take the risk and live there. Um, these types of things are very real. This could happen. Um, bull rush. Um, bull rush wrote, uh, government is really good at violating your rights, making a reason for it later. Um, he also wrote, they're going to have to start businesses up soon. It's getting hot in the Southern States and ACs need to be serviced. So yeah, it's, it's, it's that whole threshold, right? Um, and it is authentic. I mean, there businesses in an economy, if an economy collapses, um, then if an economy collapses, I mean, our, our, Semi-drivers going to be able to, you know, continue driving loads across the, the country? Are people going to be able to, to harvest um, crops and plant corn? And, and I mean, all of these things which are essential um, for life. So if we run into a situation where we have an economic collapse, um, that is going to, to be another uh, deadly, you know, lasting event. Um, Cameron, is there a good email uh, you can contact me at? So Cameron, go to um, go to my website. And I'm going to put it here. And thanks for everybody for um, for coming in. And I'm going to wrap things up here. We've got three minutes. Um, yeah, if you go there and you go to the contact, there's actually there's a website or, or there's an email address. And if you email me, um, that. I think goes to like an email address, then gets forwarded to me, and then I, I can get back with more authentic information. Follow me on Twitter, folks. Um, check out Twitter at uh, Safe. Jesus, this is um, PhD Safety PhD. Um, there I am at uh, on Twitter, so I'd appreciate that. So before we wrap things up, if you can subscribe to the channel, if you haven't subscribed, um, I would appreciate it. Subscribe to the channel, share this with friends. Um, there's 125 episodes of the safety doc podcast out there. There's a lot of really good content. Even if you download it, um, you know, and you listen to it when you're working in the garage or something like this. So I don't have, I'm not, I, I'm not selling services outside of, please consider this book school of airs. It's really good to think about chaos theory, self similarity, simulated annealing, how to make decisions when the whole world's kind of gone crazy. Um, it's really good. It's really a good book. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, it was on sale yesterday. My publisher knocked the price down um, on it. So, um, but, uh, but yeah. So, and a shout out to my good friend, Jim Mallard, the Mallard Report in the house. Um, Jim, actually, I, I was on Jim's show, uh, the Mallard Report about three weeks ago. 
And that was when things just started to rumble about what's going to be happening with schools in the coronavirus. And if you go back to that episode, um, uh, I, I predicted, I, I just said schools will close because it's just too much of a liability for the concentration of, uh, you know, students in close proximity and coming in and out every day and who they've interacted with. And so it's just, it's just crazy. Like they'll shut the schools down, which they did. So as in closing here, everybody, uh, this is, uh, David, Dr. David Proden, um, the safety doc podcast, uh, please follow, please do a thumbs up. If you haven't before you exit out of here, I appreciate this. Stay safe, practice face validity, and just be very aware of, uh, conscious, uh, decisions you're making to share your information um, with companies and then possibly also the government to really be cognizant. And I, I think try to limit as much of that as you can, because again, you know, we've, we know that these, um, this, there's been a lot since 2001, the Patriot Act. We know that there's probably going to be an expansion of the Patriot Act based upon this pandemic response. So, hey, everybody, take care. I am here in the North Star Weather Studio, and uh, I, I don't know what's going on outside because it could be the worst storm, and then everything is still pretty calm down here, but we're supposed to be getting hit with some pretty big storms tonight. Saw there were some tornadoes at another part of the country. So, um, everybody, take care. Thank you. This has been the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio show host, and leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Remember to check back each week for the latest, best, and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. You can find Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.